You're listening to the MoneyWeb SAFM Market Update Podcast with host Fifi Peters. So shares of Aspen, the uh, best performing stock on the JSC today. In fact, those uh, shares getting a whole lot of positive doses of investor interest uh, today after the release of its uh, first half results. But it was all about the guidance and uh, the guidance that Aspen gave its investors that the second half would be a whole lot stronger and that it expected a much bigger contribution than it initially forecast from filling up the available space in its sterile uh, manufacturing uh, business. And that is in Kabecha in the Eastern Cape as well as in France. I spoke to Sean Capazorio, who is the CFO of Aspen Pharmacare, and I asked what was behind the much improved outlook that the company delivered to the market today. Here's what he said. Look, I think we've been working very hard at, um, at trying to fill our capacity in Quebec and also that, that outlook covers our Quebec facility and our sterile facility in, in, in France. So the one facility, the facility in France does pre-filled syringes and the one in Quebec does sterile vials, vaccines and other biological. And, you know, subsequent to the doing the COVID vaccine put us on the, the stage to, to showcase South Africa and particularly Aspen as a, as a world-class manufacturer of sterile and gave us the opportunity to, to, to discuss opportunities with other multinational um, partners. And I think we've now started to see the emphasis of all of those discussions uh, and, you know, we've got some sort of contract uh, negotiation discussions on with a number of partners now and that's given us the confidence to actually re-rate the benefit that we would get from these facilities um, because these facilities, are, you know, we put a lot of investment into them. We, they're really highly fixed-cost facilities. As you can see from our first six months' results, you'll see now, when you don't have the volumes in there, that's a, you know, that's quite an uh, profound impact on the margins going down. But on the corollary of that is that when you get the volumes back in, you see you, you'll see an exponential growth. And I think we've, with these opportunities that we are negotiating with, with uh, some of the multinational partners, we um, we do see a big opportunity to grow the volumes and to bring um, quality business into the both of those sites. So, um, that's given us the confidence, I think, to, to look at our capacity and sort of revalue it. And I think we valued the total capacity at, at 8 billion rand. And we targeted that by um, the end of calendar year 24, we'll have filled half of that, that, that capacity benefit of 4 billion. So that, I think that, that really is the background. I think, it's, you know, at the onset, we were probably a little bit conservative and we didn't really know what, you know, what the value was, was that we had invested in. Obviously, subsequently, we did the deal with the Serum Institute to, to get the, the, the license of vaccine that we can provide to the African continent. And subsequent discussions have really shown that we have a quality facility in Quebec that can match any any other sterile facility in the world, and I think that's an attraction for for partners is that they are able to um, get benefit from an uh, ESG perspective as well, because we're providing them with uh, access, the patients with access to medicine. So they're getting the benefit of uh, patient access, quality, and cost competitiveness, and uh, and for, for us, we get the benefit of, of these volumes in our in our Quebec facility. And likewise, in our French facility, um, big opportunity on, on pre-filled syringes. So I know it's a lot of answer to a short question, but that's what's given us the confidence to be able to you know, put a little bit of a harder, harder value to, to that capacity. Sure. Uh, the risks 
I mean, today we had some uh, manufacturing uh, data coming out showing that sentiment in the sector was being hurt by uh, the uh, power cuts and the concerns that, uh, you know, yeah. more aggressive power cuts would would uh, continue. And we've heard that load shedding is likely to be with us for the next 12 to 18 months or so, depending on how effective whichever solution that's on the table gets used. Yeah. But what are the major risks for your yeah, outlook? Yeah, look, I think we, we, um, we obviously... Um, we are a, a key uh, site within a, within the Eastern Cape. We also also classified as an essential uh, a service. You know, when we needed the vaccine uh, supply, we were classified as an essential services business. So we do have a, an arrangement with the the Nelson Badilla municipality that we only get load shedded from stage five onwards, and it's in a controlled manner. So it's not a, an ad hoc load shed. We we we, know, we do it in conjunction with the with the municipality. So we're able to control it. We then do have full backup systems, uh, uh, you know, mainly diesel, some solar, to be able to provide power in those, those staged uh, backup facilities. And then on top of that, we've um, we've embarked on a on a project with uh, with a partner to recycle uh, plastic. A process called pyrolysis, where it converts the plastic into into a gas, and that drives electricity. So we plan uh, over the next 24 months, 18 to 24 months to be off the grid in Quebec and be on uh, on a recyclable, um, uh, renewable energy source. But obviously, in the short term, we're, uh, we're um, at this stage five load shedding and um, and it's controlled and, and done in tandem with the, with the municipality. So for us, the risk is quite low. However, we do and we do acknowledge that it is a challenge for everyone in this country and we you know, obviously affect all of our staff. So we do, we do have sympathy and, and try to manage our people in, in the best way we can. Right. Uh, Sean, uh, you also uh, guide, as I uh, said in my initial question, that the second half of your uh, reporting period will also be pretty strong. And uh, I mean, the pictures that uh, we're looking at right now in terms of how you uh, fed this time around, revenue was lower, profits also uh, took uh, quite a knock. What will be the kicker that improves the picture in the second half of uh, the year, which you also uh, expect to be stronger than the second half of last year? Yes, yes. No, thanks, thanks for that question. Yeah, I think the um, the big kicker for the, the growth in the second half of this show is in our manufacturing business. There are two two elements to that. The one is our, our chemicals, API chemicals business, which um, which traditionally has a stronger second half. They also had a, a one-month closure in the first half, so we do see quite a strong second half coming from our API business. And then also we've done quite a lot of work in uh, in our sterile facilities in the first half in getting ready to bring these new contract opportunities onto our onto our lines, which takes 12 to 24 months plus. It's quite a long uh, timeline to bring this type of technology in. And so we've sacrificed revenue-generating work for, um, uh, for, for these technical transfer works, and that's obviously all been sacrificed also in the first half. So in the second half, you see our manufacturing um Businesses, particularly on the sterile side, uh, now getting back to normal output. So that's also a big, a big driver of the the second half growth. Relative to last year, um, the second half last year was heavily impacted, um, you know, by the by the COVID lockdown in China, etc. Which also went through to the first six months of this year. As you know, that you know, China have now um, eased their restrictions on COVID. So we should see quite a, a good performance coming out of China in the second half in our commercial farmer business. 
and, uh, and and seasonally, some of our emerging markets do have a second, seasonally strong second second half. So I think all of those factors combined have given us the confidence to to project a good second half performance uh, and better than uh, both H2 of last year and, and H1. Mm-hmm. But on COVID-19, uh, though, I see uh, you do say that the uh, lack of sales or volumes around vaccines... Uh, in the current reporting period, impacting your profits this time around. Yes. What What is the current activity around uh, COVID no, no. now? So, no. the, so that, uh, the, the guidance that we gave is that last year, it's amazing how quickly time flies, but last year, this time, um, last financial six months, um, we were still, we were in full, full manufacturing uh, momentum for COVID vaccine for J&J. So we had a full six months of COVID manufacture. Uh, obviously, if you fast forward to this six months, um, that whole the whole landscape has changed. The contract with uh, J&J for that manufacturer has now come to an end. And uh, so for this six months, you had no, I mean, you had one or two batches, but very little COVID manufacture in the six months. So you're comparing a six-month period in the previous year, which was uh, fully laden with uh, COVID revenue to, to one that had no benefit. So that has also had an impact on our manufacturing margins. It's obviously... We've decided that, you know, from a, because we're now doing all of these other contract deals, we've got to, to deal with Serum. We've kept all of those fixed costs on board because we've anticipated the volumes into the future. So we've kept those fixed costs, but we haven't got the revenue, and that's also impacted our, our performance on the manufacturing side in, in, the, in this half. Okay. So Aspinovix is no more? We... I think at this stage, um, the next potential orders could be in 2024, but we really don't, uh, we, we haven't got it anywhere in our plans. If there is a, a need for a Spinovac, we will certainly prioritize that above, you know, above all other, uh, you know, other um, opportunities or, or, or a pandemic type of scenario. But at this stage, we did not foresee any orders in the short term. And uh, if we do get orders for boosters, it will only be when the stocks run out and that'll be in 2024 onwards, potentially. But um, we don't see big momentum at this stage. Okay. Just uh, finishing off, I mean, the uh, cost factor, like many other companies uh, in South Africa, all around the world, costs climbing, uh, you are seeing inflation in your business. What does this mean for, I mean, the price of medicines and the like that Mm -hmm. consumers should be expecting to uh, pay in this environment? What's pharmaceutical inflation looking like? Yeah, look, from a pharmaceutical perspective, you depends on which markets you're looking at, but in your developed markets, you've got no room for, for any pricing. In your emerging markets, you do get some sort of inflationary relief from, from government, but it's still not sufficient. So the only way you maintain your profitability in a, in a, well, within the Aspen environment is you have to drive down your costs and you improve your efficiencies in your factories and uh, also bring volume in from third parties back into our own facilities. So we've managed to do that quite successfully without heavily impacting pricing to, to the consumer is to try and bring our cost, uh, our cost of goods down in our facilities. And we've had a very good performance in the six months. You'll see our, our consumer margins have, have improved. And that's uh, predominantly as a result of some of those saving initiatives, which have taken a long time to implement. And we've also had to battle against inflation uh, in the background. So it's really been a, a commendable performance, but certainly... Um, one that, that remains a challenge going forward. Pharmaceuticals, because it's price controlled, is, is, is uh, you know, you, you've got to maintain your margins, you've got to watch your efficiencies and your costs.
All right. Sean, uh, thanks so much for that time and giving us a lot more color on your uh, guidance and what uh, we can expect from the business in the period ahead. Sean Capazorio, he is the uh, CFO at Aspen Pharmacare. You've been listening to another MoneyWeb SAFM Market Update podcast, uploaded weekdays at 7 p.m. For more MoneyWeb podcasts, go to moneyweb.co.za or the app and follow MoneyWeb News for daily updates.